Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. All right, welcome back in. It is the third and final hour here on Monday. And on Mondays, when it is the 8 a.m. hour, that means that it's time to turn on the light with Friday's host, <laughs> Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. We are going to be turning on the light with Jack. And Jack, again, thank you for filling in on Friday. It, it, it was such fun. I, every time I do it, I learn more. And I, I so appreciate the callers. They are there for you, whether they agree with you or disagree with you. It's just a great a great thing you have going here, Tim. You, you've really just built a great show. So it makes it that much easier when you have to slide in. I, I especially like to thank the two artists from the Star Store who came, Don Wilkinson, longtime critic, art critic for the um, New Bedford Standard Times, and um, Trisha Smith, who I hadn't known. She was a jewelry maker at Star Store and now teaches at Tabor Academy. They really, really put the human element on you know, what's happening here. We all know about the politics of it. And in my opinion, as I've written in my column, how the UMass system did not want to locate there, no matter what, how the local politicians, in my opinion, failed us because they got out foxed. But this is real people that their lives have been appended. Their lives have been affected. And, and I think Dawn and, and Trisha really illustrated that. So thanks to them to, to coming in. You know, I put this this idea out earlier this morning and so, and you might know the ins and outs of it more. I said, you know, I don't know what the documentation is somebody signs, what they agree to when they agree to make payments to the university for their tuition. I don't know what they're expecting out of this. Did UMass commit fraud by taking money for the tuition for the students that expected that they were going to be in the Star Store building this year and studying at the CVPA there? Well, I, I don't know if I would go that far yet. That's that's a very strong legal word. Um, I'm, well, I, let's use it less as the legal term of yeah. committing fraud and say, did they defraud the students? So I, I think that there's a lot of paperwork yet to come out. I think there's, um, so I, I've been, there's gaps in what I, I know. I've been told that it was November of last year that the second lease extension, um, uh, Paul Downey, exercised his right not to uh, object to it, um, uh, whether he actually has that right. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking to get Downey's written communication to either DCAM, which is the Division of Capital Asset Management, or the UMass Building Authority to find out exactly what his objections were. I've been in touch with Downey's um, people, uh, uh, 
uh, last week to try to, they've only taken questions in writing, to try to, try to get some information as to what happened. I haven't been able to reach him yet. Um, so the students that I talked to told me that in February, you know, first of all, the rumors that they were leaving Starstore have been around for four or five years, all the way back to Robert Johnson. Uh, the mayor himself alluded to that um, when he was on Marcus and Chris. Chris's show. So the, you know, there's been this talk that the Star Store is too expensive, that people are not majoring in the fine arts anymore. We'd rather go to contemporary stuff. That, that's been going on for years now. Um, but so the rumors evidently surfaced in February and um, they were strong enough that the administration of UMass told the kids that don't believe any of those rumors. We're committed to downtown New Bedford. We're staying. And that's well, where the fraud comes into play. Uh, again, that's your word. I, I, I want to be careful of that because it's not clear to me that UMass has been saying, at least this chancellor, Mark Fuller, has been saying that he wanted to stay in downtown New Bedford. Now, I have my doubts as to whether he's in control and, uh, in, and whether they really want to stay. But they've been saying that they want to stay. And it's not clear to me the sequence. They very definitely did not exercise their option to take it for a dollar at the end of the 20 years, which was in 2021. Um, and what I was told by them was that's because DCAM and the UMass Building Authority wouldn't let them. The building had needed so much maintenance, it was in such terrible shape. Um, I thought it was odd that a bureaucratic agency, DCAM, the Division of Capital Asset Management, is a, a state bureaucracy that is in charge of all government buildings. And they decide what's being sold, what's being auctioned, what's being maintained, all of that. and. Uh, according to Fuller, they were in control. Uh, so it's not clear to me, you know, when you say fraud, you know, whether they really didn't. I mean, I think the evidence is that they didn't want to be there, but whether they actually tried to, 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 to be there or not, and DCAM wouldn't let them. So that's 2021. Then Montigny uh, got together a lease extension with former Governor Charlie Baker, and they ordered them the next year during the lease, saying, you take it, not not. Now, the original lease said they could take it for a dollar. This said take it for a mm -hmm. dollar, which they did. But what I was told that was that Downey then stepped in and said, oh, no, you, you, you missed your deadline for notifying me that you intended to take it. I'm keeping it. And, of course, now with housing, you know, really in real estate going through the roof, <clears throat> excuse me, on the south coast, a lot of people feel that he sees another money-making opportunity there. Yeah. He's already made depending on whose figures you believe, 44 to $63 million. Um, <clears throat> some of it went to maintenance. But, um, Apparently so, not enough. So, well, but they've also tried to make this distinction between common maintenance, which I guess is cleaning the floors and, and replacing windows and stuff like that, and you know, big um, long-term maintenance like a new roof or um, a new boiler system, air conditioning system, which I think um, there was bonding authority set aside for that. You know, a lot of this is a steering contest between UMass and the legislature. UMass is taking the position, we'll take the building for a dollar if you first pass the $30 million, although now they're saying as much as $75 million in bonding authority for maintenance. Montigny is saying to them, no, we'll give you the money for, for, for bonding if you take the building for a dollar. We're not going to put more money into the hands of a private developer. So those, those are the issues. It's, it's, so the, both sides pointing at each other. My columns have been meant to say the city of New Bedford is the loser. You know, you guys can't work it out. 
you know, you ha- all have good reasons why it's everybody else's fault. But the bottom line is that the anchor institution in downtown New Bedford, the College of Visual and Performing Arts, and people say the artists are here, they'll stay here. I don't think as many of them will stay here when there isn't a school teaching fine arts. May not be one year, may not be two years, but I think the artists will begin to dwindle from New Bedford. The other thing is people say we'll put offices in there, we'll put housing in there, we'll put nowhere in there, all kinds of things. Those are bureaucratic things. They're not the kind of spirit that comes from artists. They're not the kind of spark. You know, people like to be in uh, downtown areas that have the fine arts. There's a quality to that, that that we all like in our spare time, if we're not full-time artists, to enjoy. And so I don't think you can just swap out, you know, we'll swap out the artists for offices. We'll swap out the artists for housing. Um, uh, State Rep. Chris Markey, who I've, I've really just been shocked about how he actually said something to the effect of the artists have, have, have served their purpose. Uh, I, I, just, I just don't look at it that way. Every older, decaying city in America that has revived has revived many times because um, artists came and because LGBTQ people came to live in the inner city. Those people come first. They gentrify it a little bit. And then the um, middle class comes afterwards. So... Um, I've heard that some um, politicians around town are, t- are thinking of, of, of calling for public hearings on what happened with this at the legislature. Others are, are calling for an accounting of how much the star store brings in financially to the UMass Dartmouth. They're, they're all talking about it as if it's an equation that the money only goes out, that the money doesn't come in from the star store too. And so th- there are a bunch of things still happening. In in all of the research that you've done, the discussions that you've had, is it is there a possibility that the building remains in the hands of Mr. Downey, that he's allowed to develop a portion of the building, but that a portion of the building remains the CVPA? Well, maybe that's a solution. Uh, um, there's also been a lot of talk about there's only 116 students there. What the artists say is there's only 116 students there because they have stopped replacing faculty. They have shifted the faculty positions over to these contemporary arts, that they have stopped going to the crafts fairs to recruit. So <clears throat> I guess temporarily, if, if you have the room, although when I was touring there, all the floors were taken. I guess you could rent out some of the floors. I mean, Donnie is a businessman. You know, I, I don't think that he's going to be like Jim DeMello, who's been a very interesting guy in the downtown. He took over the Compass Bank building, the Santander Bank building, and he did a lot of low rents to nonprofits, mm-hmm. and he kept the buildings going that way. Not every businessman is like that. A lot of them just look at it in terms of pure dollars and cents. And so we don't know what Paul Downey, who's a local guy who grew up locally, you would think that he would understand the value of the college. Um, he seems to be looking at this as just purely a dollars and cents thing. He's already got to have made a lot of money on it. So I guess you could swap out parts of it. I, I, I th- That idea has occurred to me. Um, I think you would want to reserve the right to the university controlling that building ultimately. So if the school does go again, by the way, enrollment is down in colleges across the board, BCC, private colleges, not just arts majors. There's been all this talk about, oh, kids aren't majoring in in arts anymore. Kids are not going to college anymore because they can't afford it. It's gotten so expensive, even state schools, you know, so... I, I, you know, I, I talked to professors over there last week who said to me, the number of kids 
from the CVPA in New Bedford who have gone on to Hollywood to have careers in the movies, whether they're sculptors or painters, you know, they can do design work. Um, you know, it takes a while for most of us when we get out of college to find that first job that we love. You know, we're doing a lot of jobs that we don't love. You know, and it's like that not only for arts, fine arts majors, it's like that for computer science majors or, 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 or whatever. There are certain a few fields, like nursing, that you can name your price and sort of walk, walk in right away. But, but most, most kids, it takes them a while. And certainly someone majoring in, majoring in these um, contemporary design courses, they're talking about like interior design, fashion design. I, I can't see those kids um, naming their price getting out of college. So, so I mean, I, I just think it's a tremendous loss from, for the city I've had. Local officials tell me, oh, Jack, you're exaggerating what a loss it is. I think I'm underestimating what a loss is. If that building, and it takes 10 years minimum when I've been in New Bedford to fill an empty building, a big monstrous building like that, a block from the Zyterian Theater, which is being redone completely empty in New Bedford for the next 5, 10, 15 years, terrible effect on the city. Well, uh, you know, I, just as an example, when I was younger, I was going to be a comic book artist. That's what I wanted to be for, throughout my youth. But then um, I realized, you know, because I, I had a lot of things. I wanted to be a booth announcer on Channel 56. I had all kinds of ideas, but I was like, you know, that would be a job. Being a comic book artist is a job that I think I could do. I used to say I was going to be a poet just to annoy my father. <laughs> well, my, I think my, my dad was probably like, I don't know, think you're going to you know, be able to be a comic book artist. I don't think you're going to make the kind of money you think you are. But then, of course, it blew up. And comics became huge in the 90s. And then everybody wanted to be a comic book artist. And I realized I, I, yeah, I wasn't good. So I, how am I going to compete against people who are way better than me who actually study art and how to draw? Because, like, you know, human form, studying all that stuff, I didn't, I didn't want to learn any of that. Didn't interest me. So... Uh, but you see, like, the way that that has exploded. Now some of these these fields that people want to get into within the arts, the same thing is happening. It, because it is, it's it's appealing for people. It's a job that, that interests them. It's, a, it's something that they feel they have a talent for. But then so do thousands of other people. So it's, it becomes harder to if, get those positions. Even English majors like me can, can make money doing things like public relations or, or advertising copy. I, but I, I many of us to, end up flipping eggs for 20 years yeah. before we get a job. Yeah. I, I, I chose to stay in, in journalism because I loved it, but, but there are opportunities out there. Yeah, we, and uh, well, the idea is that you start off as a journalist, then you go into public relations so you can actually make a living. <laughs> have some money. How many people have we known that, that did that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 508-996-0500. That is the number if you want to call in and, and chime in on this. So in, in the conversations that you've been having with people associated with it, has anybody offered you, I mean, you know, you're talking about how they're not recruiting, they're not finding people. Has anybody offered you a plan from within, from the students, from the faculty? Does anybody have ideas that you think are good ones that maybe that the UMass administration just isn't listening to? Nada, nothing. And I have just been astonished at um, how quiet everybody has been. This, this, this story is a week and a half old, yet we have not heard from Governor Mara Healy yet, which I just think she seems to have been on vacation most of the summer, different places. Uh, uh, I was surprised that that Mitchell talked to Lieutenant Governor Kim Driscoll, but not Healy. I think the Lieutenant Governors of Massachusetts, we saw this with Karen Polito, oftentimes have the relationship with the gateway cities. Kim Driscoll was the mayor of Salem. But nobody is really talking about a plan. Um, uh, 
I was shocked that um, the mayor, again, on Chris and Marcus show, so much comes out of that show nowadays, po- po- politics-wise, um, mentioned that um, he had been with Mark Montigny at the um, dedication for the 117 Union, the new mixed-use housing, um, which is a great project um, in downtown New Bedford. And um, they, they, they talked about getting together. Well, this was a week after the news broke, and they had not talked yet. I, you know, I... Uh, you know, Santa Montigny was very, um, I thought, much more earnest and m- much more authentic than the, the, the mayor at that public press conference. He said he acknowledged that politicians, even local politicians, don't always get along, that there's ego involved, that there's um, uh, people who just disagree uh, on the way to do things. Um, the mayor says, you know, that Santa Montigny and UMass kept him out of this, and he puts forward that if he had been allowed to, to, to get into it, maybe he could have found some money. There's lots of opera money around this year. Uh, that's a temporary solution, but you could get you through this year so you don't close it in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that no one wanted him in. Now, different people may have done that for different reasons. You know, on, on the university side, they just were looking for an excuse to close it. Right. And when Montigny didn't fund it, they said, finally, ah, oh, we have our excuse. On Montigny's side, you know, for whatever reason, they do... Uh, and Martini pointed out they worked together well on some issues. They were actually closer on the state peer than they were to people like Bill Strauss, say. But um, they don't always work together. And you do get the impression, and this is to the detriment of the region, in my opinion, that there are turf wars that go on all the time. Turf wars between the city council and the mayor's office. Turf wars between the legislative delegation and the mayor's office. Um, you don't see it quite so much in the congressional delegation. You do see it between Fall River and New Bedford not wanting to be in the same congressional delegation, because, congressional district, because they think that they might get more attention right. here or there, although uh, Mitchell has recommended that they go together. So I, I'm just fed up to my eyeballs with people not getting things done. This was a problem that was in clear sight for everybody to see. You know, we knew that at the end of the 20 years, you had to take that building for a dollar. You got the university saying we want it. You got Montigny saying he wants to save it, and they couldn't get it done. Whether it's lack of communication, whether it's behind-the-scenes maneuvering that's really going on, which is why I think maybe we need the public hearings. Um, I just don't want to accept anymore. That that was the old way in New Bedford. We've had a, a... a wonderful 20 years where politicians did get things done in this city. But this has been a colossal failure, and, and, and they've got to fix it. And by the way, two weeks closer to the start of school. Yes. That, because two weeks have gone by with nothing. Yes. And, so. and, and the artists are telling me that, that you got all these teachers trying to get their programs for the fall ready to go, and now all they can do is put all their energy into moving out. This was not the time to do it. All right, and and I found your piece very interesting. That there, we'll we'll get into it. We got to take a break, but we'll get into the furniture situation, which I found to be very very interesting. Uh, but we will take a break right now. We'll be back with more with Jack Spillane in just a few moments. Right. We have to go into the newsroom in just a moment, Jack. But let's take this call really quick. Good morning, you were on with Jack Spillane. Hello. Hi, Jack. How you doing? Hello, Tim. How you doing? All right. How are you? Oh, I'm here. How you doing, uh, Joe? Yeah, yeah. Uh, on this uh, local fighting, yes. Very bad. The whole delegation should have been united on on keeping this thing here. And it makes it easy, who I think is the real problem with this, uh, of not continuing, for Boston to say, look at them. They're fighting amongst one another, so we can just do what we want. You know, to me, if the the governor stepped in and told Marty Meehan 
and told Mr. Fuller that you will continue down there, this would have handled the whole situation. But, of course, if we're going to fight amongst ourselves, uh, the whole delegation and not be united about keeping uh, UMass Dolphins where it is uh, uh, downtown, uh, it would have been a big difference. One yeah. other thing I want to bring up to us. Yeah, I, I just want to say I, I agree 100% with that, Joe, because if the way that this is all played out, Everybody in Boston is looking at, look at New Bedford again. Yep. Look at the way that they roll down there. And, and that's why they don't deserve it <laughs> down there. Uh, uh, it's, it's too bad. I, I just want to leave it on Montigny and um, the mayor. I'll say the same thing for Chris Markey. I'll say the same thing for Tony Cabral. I'll say the same thing for Hendricks. Yep. Uh, they all should have been on this. One other thing I want to mention, though, I was watching NECN this uh, Sunday, and I think the gentleman's name is Steve Rooney. He's the head of the Chamber of Commerce in um, Boston. And they were talking about conversion of buildings in Boston into other things than what they were. Uh, said, he said in Boston, and I imagine the same thing is true with the Starstone building, very difficult to convert them to anything uh, other than what they were because uh, the, the bones of the building, if you're going to put uh, housing in there, uh, you, you have to have uh, plumbing for uh, kitchens. Yeah, each and, and for each unit, yeah. Yeah, for each unit. And it's, it's, it, the cost is fantastically high. So, you know, again, this is Boston talking about a bigger problem and doing conversions there, with which they want to do. I know they got more business than everything. And, so if you try to do that with Stasta, you're going to have a big problem. I've, I've had it pointed out to me that, 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 that the Star Store could be torn down because it would be too expensive to do anything yeah. else with yeah. it. And then um, what, what would you have there? Another um, hole, just like you got with the Keystone. I think the Keystone years ago burned down and the, uh, burned and they you know able to... No, the roof collapsed. Oh, the roof the collapsed. Roof. Even worse then. Okay. All right. I, I just got to hold you guys there because okay, we got to go to the news. All right, but thanks a lot. Thank you for the call. Yeah, bye-bye. And now let's go into the newsroom now with Adam Bass. Jacksonville, Florida Sheriff P.K. Waters is calling the gunman's racist manifesto the diary of a madman. He was just completely irrational. What is irrational? What is irrational thoughts? He knew what he was doing. He was 100% lucid. At a news conference on Sunday, the sheriff identified the 21-year-old male who shot and killed three black people on Saturday near historically black university in a racist shooting. Waters said the shooters' sickening, uh, sickening ideologies do not reflect the Jacksonville community, and he doesn't believe there is a racial divide in the city. Waters says the shooter appears to have purchased his gun legally. While he said no flags would have come up in the shooter's gun purchases, Waters acknowledges that the background checks need to do a better job of identifying gun buyers with bad intentions. An attorney for former President Trump says he doesn't need any pretrial prepping. President Trump is not your average person. He's incredibly intelligent and he knows the ropes. He also knows the facts because he lived them. Speaking on Fox News Sunday, Alina Haba reiterated that Trump has, quote, done nothing wrong despite four indictments totaling 91 counts. Haba has also accused Fulton County, Georgia District Attorney Fonnie Willis of coordinating with U.S. Justice Department Special Counsel Jack Smith in preparing her indictment for the former president. Trump was booked at Atlanta's Fulton County Jail on 13 counts related allegedly to trying to overturn Georgia's results in the 20th. 2020 presidential election.
A shooting shut down the Worcester Caribbean American Carnival and left two men injured. The shooting was reported at around 6.30 last night on Salisbury Street near Institute Park, and the victims were rushed to the hospital. An announcement was made soon afterwards that the carnival was over and all attendees had to leave immediately. Police have not made any arrests and are investigating. And Bob Barker is being remembered across the entertainment industry. Trey Thomas has more. The legendary The Price is Right game show host died Saturday at the age of 99 at his home in Los Angeles. Actor Adam Sandler posted a photo of himself alongside Barker on Instagram, saying that he loved talking and laughing with him. Current host Drew Carey tweeted that he will carry on his memory in my heart forever. I'm Trey Thomas. In sports, the Boston Red Sox wrapped up their series against the Dodgers with a loss yesterday. The score was 7-4. The Sox will stay at Fenway today as they get ready for a series against the Houston Astros, the reigning world champions. The first pitch is tonight at 7.10 p.m. And now here's your ABC6 local weather forecast. Expect a mixture of sun and clouds throughout the day today. We'll be reaching a high near 75 degrees. Overnight tonight, mostly cloudy, low of 63. And for Tuesday, we have the rain moving in. That's going to be with us for much of the day, high near 72. From the ABC 6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Skylar Spindler on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. It is currently 64 degrees in New Bedford. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. Get breaking news alerts, stream audio, send us text messages, and get live traffic and weather updates all on the WBSM app. Download it now from your app store or at WBSM.com. And you heard Skylar mention rain is coming, so when that rain is happening, I want you to do me a favor. Take a look at your roof. Look up and see, are there any wet spots? Are there any discolorations? Are there any fading spots? Any shingles that are peeling off? And see, maybe you're actually getting some dampness and wetness inside your home. You don't want to mess around. This is the time of year to get that roof taken care of because right around the corner is all the wet weather of fall and then the really wet weather and heavy snow of winter. You don't want to have to make your roof go through another fall and winter season if you don't think it's up to the job call precision window and kitchen right of course you call them for windows you call them for your kitchen you even call them for bathroom remodels but you might not know that they also can do a complete roof replacement for you so have them come down and take a look they'll give you a free estimate it doesn't cost anything to have them come in and take a look and they can give you an idea of what to expect maybe they come in and they say hey listen i think you're going to be okay for another season we can take care of this next summer give you some time to save up or maybe they'll say hey you've got to get this done right away and we can work with you to make sure that it happens. That's the kind of work and effort that they put in at Precision Window and Kitchen because they want to make sure that your home, your family, your investment are all protected. And maybe you also want to have them come in and replace some windows or entryway doors or remodel your kitchen or bathroom or put some vinyl siding on your home. Nothing's better after a long gross winter season than being able to just get out there with the hose and have a brand new looking home just by washing it off. So talk to them about all of that and more by visiting them in their showroom at 1111 Akushnet Avenue or by going to precisionwindowandkitchen.com. And when you go there, you can fill out all the information to get that free estimate. Again, precisionwindowandkitchen.com. 
All right, Jack, let's get back into maybe they can call Precision to go down and fix up the Star Store building. <laughs> and it sounds like they'd have a lot of work to do in that building. Those windows are the ones that push out down there. They're, they're beautiful windows. Uh, you know, you don't look at the building when you're in downtown all the time, but it's, it's actually like a wedding cake. The amount of um, detail on the terracotta and everything on that building. Check it out sometime. It's just astonishing the amount of detail on that building. And so I, I know Joe called in and he was talking about the, you know, the things to do interior-wise to be able to remodel that. But one of the things that you actually wrote about in your article is some of the stuff that's in the building now, they're saying is not up to fire code furniture that they have to throw because it's not up to fire code? Well, that, that's what the university is saying. The students... Uh, saying that the, the, the story that they heard was that um, some of the students said, well, if you're throwing that furniture out, we'll take it. And they said, no, no, you can't take it because that's against state regulations for people who are working or go to school in a building to take the furniture. And um, the, the, what the university says is they moved the furniture that was acceptable for fire code out to Dartmouth, but that the stuff that wasn't, they, they just destroyed it and then threw it into the dumpster. So you had stuff in the building that wasn't up to fire code. Well, that's, that, the whole answer didn't make sense to me that they put out, but 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 uh, but that you know this move that took place last week, Tim. If you were over there, it was so chaotic, it was so depressing to people. I mean, t particularly the ceramic students who, you know, ha have to have these big built-in kilns with the stacks going up through the roof of the star store. Only the portable kilns are coming to Dartmouth with them. So they came to Dartmouth under the understanding they were using these big massive kilns. Kiln is an oven to. Uh, to, to forge your ceramic work, and now that's not available to them. How is that fear? They've, they've paid their tuition. Uh, so Again, that goes back to what I was saying before with fraud. <laughs> that's your, not mine. But, but, <laughs> but, uh, so people were running around, boxing things up. Things were being thrown out. People were being told, you got to get it done Friday. If you don't get it done by Friday, you know, move it or lose it. And then once it gets to UMass Dartmouth, because there's not enough room in the College of, of Visual and Performing Arts building out there, the students are under the impression that, that their uh, materials could end up in any different part of the campus where there's room. I don't know how that's a great experience for them. And they will not be allowed to open those boxes again until the university decides where it's going to land. So the whole, the whole environment of, you know, some, some folks said to me, they say we have to go because we don't have a lease and we can't get any insurance and there's no liability uh, insurance, you know, for anything that could happen here. And there is some dangerous equipment there. Uh, so we have to get out right away. Well, why not go to Montigny or, or, or the delegation and say, look it, we don't have a lease anymore. Can you at least, you know, give us a temporary lease again so that we uh, can... Um, uh, for this semester, you know, until we know where we're going to go, give us a six-month lease or something, and we can, you know, and have insurance and not have to rush these kids right, out of not, there not the, the way they're doing yeah. it. Now, maybe Montigny was being so inflexible, you know, he'll have to speak for himself on this, that he was saying, no, you didn't take it when you had the chance, you, you know, and now Downey has exercised his rights, and so you don't get any money. Like, I... The mayor Maybe has, Downey wants them out as fast the as possible. Who knows? The whole thing is like something out of Byzantium. Now, the mayor has said that he thought it was a mistake that Montigny did it that way. So, okay, how do you fix it? I, I don't want to hear about, you know, the, the finger pointing on this, on this issue has just been so ridiculous. It's, 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 we don't want to hear about that. We want to hear about how are you going to fix it. Mighty Meehan's been, been silent. Mark Fuller's been silent. 
Uh, Lieutenant Governor Driscoll has been silent. Governor Healy's been silent. I, 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 I put the quote from Healy, which I thought was astounding. Um, we are aware of Martigny's letter, and we are aware of the concerns of the city. And this is the spokesperson. I will have no further comment at this time. I don't know why this. I don't want to hear what the spokesperson says. Tell me what the governor will have uh, a further comment. I thought it was just uh, an astonishing thing for, for, for a first-year governor to say to an area of the state that she really needs. You so know, New, New, She needs to win big in New Bedford to, to be reelected. You mentioned bringing things back to the CV, CVPA facility on the Dartmouth campus. Is that is that still the Group 6 building? Yes, um, that, that's interesting. So when, when I was up uh, in the CVPA downtown this week, people were referring to it to the Group 6 building, and they said, oh, no, no, it's not called the Group 6 building anymore. It's called the CVPA building. So there's a CVPA building in downtown New Bedford and the CVPA building at Dartmouth. Now, when I was there, admittedly, you know, twenty over 25 years ago, uh, but when I was there, that building was a bit of a hodgepodge. So in addition to having some of the, and I was there pre-Star Store. So, but in addition to having some of those arts classes, they also put other classes. Like uh -huh. I had English classes in that building. I had other things in that building. So it was always kind of like that. It was never a dedicated building. Yeah. It sounds like maybe it is now. Though. Yeah, and everybody has told me that there's not room for everything that's in the Star Store in downtown New Bedford. And I had not realized the artisanry courses, which actually came to the old Swain School of Design from the BU program in artisanry, which was a nationally known artisanry program, they've never been in Dartmouth. So things like ceramics, uh, woodworking, um, I think uh, 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 weaving, those things have never been in Dartmouth. They've always been in New Bedford, whether they were at the Swain School and then over at the CVPA campus on Purchase Street. People forget that the CVPA was in two different buildings on Purchase Street for a while. So you know, some programs like sculpture and painting have been in Dartmouth, but other programs, more of the crafts programs, have always been in New Bedford. Well, why don't we take our next break here? If you want to give us a call, 508-996-0500. We'll be right back. More with Jack Spillane in just a few moments. Yeah. And welcome back in. We are turning on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. Let's go to the phones here. 508-996-0500. You're next on WBSM. Hi. Um, I just have a question regarding the start store of uh, UMass Dartmouth going um, back to the campus. I just wanted to know, there was a program there and they were in the lower level star store, and it was called the Wickers Education Program. I was wondering if, where that's going to be moved to, because it's usually right in the community, local community, helping um, workers learn English. Yes, uh, uh, Chancellor Fuller did tell me that, that that was staying in New Bedford. Um, I don't know whether it will stay in the star store, because uh -huh. the, the, whoever the tenants are in the star store will be up to Downey, I guess. But... Um, uh, they are going to keep, they'll find some space somewhere to keep that workers program. Well, that's good. That's good to know. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you for All the right. call. Have a good day. And yeah, that is the important thing to note is that the Star Store isn't just the CVPA. No, no. Uh, BCC had some uh, programs in there for a while. One of the heartbreaking things is the University Gallery uh, closing. Um, there are four or five galleries on that first floor which have. They're among the best galleries in New Bedford. I, I would even say that the best gallery, that main university gallery, there was a great show um, about Ira Cohen, the guy who owned the used bookstore across from the Star Store. Uh, and he was a model for painters and sculptures for 20 years. And he died this past year. And so when the Star Store closed, 
they were in the middle of this show that wasn't supposed to close until September, which was a homage to Ira Cohen. And it was just a, the, the, the sculpture, the, the paintings, the, the pen and ink sketches were among the best things I've ever seen in, in, in downtown New Bedford. And, and uh, so that, that, that show had to close early like everything else and, and you know, get packed away. And so that gallery was just, I, I don't think that they always promoted that gallery as well as they should have, but uh, it was it was just a very high quality uh, gallery in the downtown. Well, if you have any comments or questions, 508-996-0500. You can also uh, send them on over uh, via app chat on the WBSM app. Uh, but Jack, what about some of the other uh, work that's uh, up there at newbedfordlight.org? Yeah, th- there's a story that I'd like to um, uh, promote uh, that, that actually came out last week um, uh, in two parts uh, by our uh, reporter Colin Hogan and that is um, other people have touched upon this but the way they count jobs at, at the wind companies that have come into New Bedford are not it's sort of like um, a sleight of hand it's not just um, these wind companies that count the jobs this, this way but the federal government evidently and they count them in terms of hours so they say oh this um, job is going to be 10,000 man hours but but that 10,000 hours is not 10,000 jobs. Right. It's, it's, you know, I mean, how, however many hours go into uh, a half year or, or a few months, that's how many jobs it is. And between that and the jobs that we've all read about that come in from outside that um, are not, um, even after the strike that the local um, stevedores, the, the guys who unload the ships, um, uh, uh that resulted in 12 New Bedford people uh, working in the city. But it's, a, it's far lower. There are jobs that, that are associated with it. Many of them are for people who are coming out of, from out of town. And the way they count them in terms of thousands of jobs coming, it's, it's really thousands of job hours. Right. And is, is, isn't that because the jobs that will be done are projects? They're not permanent positions. Yes. And, and, and it actually, this is similar to the fishing industry. Like, you know, I mean, the fishing industry, you go out in a boat for two or three weeks and you have a job, but then you don't fish again for another month, uh, you know, and hopefully you made enough money on that trip. But it's not um, a job like you and I have where you, where you have a nine to five job. Uh, 52 weeks a year. And so uh, that work can be sporadic. Sometimes you make money, sometimes you don't. Um, with fishing, of course, there are regulations that prevent you from fishing so that they can preserve the fishery. Um, so with wind, there's work and there will be work for the next, uh, I don't know, half decade, decade as they uh, construct these things. And there'll be work maintaining them afterwards. But it's not if you read Colin's article, it's not quite as many thousands of jobs as 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 as, as the way that they framed it. And and the dirty, not so secret part of all this is that, you know, this is speculative too, because if no other wind project ever gets approved here or anywhere else, there's no jobs. So well, yeah, outside I, of the I few that will need I, to maintain I, yeah, the one I, that yeah, is being built, I, I'm not one of these people who says that the wind industry is going to kill fishing and that we shouldn't i think if it's going to be here we should take our part of it right and um, it's going to be and it's going to happen but yeah, i'm just saying it, some people might feel that know, it, i mean it's speculative as, as we've way. seen just from the climate change change related to weather this year alternative energy is here to stay there's going to be wind turbines there's going to be solar maybe someday there'll be um nuclear nuclear fusion as, as scott lang points out but but um you know 
uh, fossil fuel energy is, is, is not going to be, it, its days are limited and, and, you know, this is going to be part of the equation. So, so I just don't, what, 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 ha, what the New Bedford Light has been looking into is exaggeration in terms of the numbers of jobs that come in. It only takes, as I just did over the past couple of days, it only takes getting up into an airplane, taking a look out the window and seeing all of the solar panels, seeing all of the wind turbines, and you got to say to yourself, there wouldn't be this much money being invested in this if people didn't know that this is a viable future. And I'll just point out that many of the wind turbines and solar installations are in very conservative political states. Texas has, 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 some, of, has some of the highest numbers anywhere, and many of them are, are owned by fossil fuel industries. It's ironic that in the ocean blue states is where you've had a lot of the opposition to to no, uh, the fossil fuel energy. companies know <laughs> someday we're going to run out of this product that we sell so let's get into this other product yeah, and yeah. that seems to be working all right let's take our um, our final break of the hour we'll be back in a few moments Sam. and uh, we are going to wrap things up with Jack Spillane stay tuned for Chris and Marcus coming in with South Coast now they've always got a great program for you uh, Jack what are you working on are you still digging into the star store more stuff to, do, to unearth there yeah, well I've had a lot of people um, telling me to stay on the star store uh, they, they, they feel if there are questions that are still unanswered um, I have been working on a um, a big piece um, uh, about um, parks, and uh, that, that'll be coming later. But um, it won't be coming this week. So we and we are only, believe it or not, like a month away, a little over a month away from the preliminary election in New Bedford. Yeah, uh, um, we're gonna do a big, you know, push there at the New Bedford Light. You know, um, uh, the reporters will carry the bulk of the weight in that, and I'll, I'll do some commentary. But um, I've already weighed in with. Uh, uh, an opinion that I think that the at-large race is where the, the the race is going to be this year. There's no mayor's race. A lot of the ward races, I think one in five are contested, but the um, yes. term limits issue did not get on the ballot. And I think that this will be the, we have some very strong candidates that, that former councilors, well-known people. It could be an interesting at-large race. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, and of course, you never know what will happen as we get closer to the final election in November. Uh, as you say, you know, right now we're saying it doesn't seem like anybody's really going to challenge the mayor, but let's let's see. Let's see what happens when some of these candidates really start to get out there because I haven't seen or heard from them. I actually had a, heard a suggestion over the weekend that unless they fix this star store thing, someone should run as a write-in against the mayor, a person of prominence. Um, I'd be interested to see if that, if that happened. Uh, there are... Uh, People of prominence in the city. Maybe they, that they person shouldn't be Mark Montigny, though. That's no, but there are p people of prominence in the city. They've kept quiet so far that are really upset about what has happened here with with UMass Dartmouth, the local university. Uh, and uh, they've they've got the time, I guess. Right? If you got a month out to to really get the name out there, yeah, a writing campaign is a big lift. But 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 Do, but, it, but but there are prominent people that you know. Movers and shakers. We only got about 20, really 20 seconds here. But if you were if you were a write-in candidate, would you have to be a write-in candidate for the preliminary, or could you be could you get yourself as a write-in person for the final? You'd have to be in the preliminary, I would assume. I don't think so. I think you could do it just for the final. You do it with stickers, right, in Massachusetts? Yeah. Uh, well, um, 